You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to heart-to-heart chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, I am so excited to talk to today's guest, and we're going to be talking about prayer. And I know that you may have some questions about prayer that we hopefully will talk about today. I'll be talking to Sheila Walsh. Sheila is a powerful communicator, Bible teacher, and best-selling author with more than 5 million books sold. She's the award-winning author of Gigi, God's Little Princess, and In the Middle of the Mess. She co-hosts Life Today with James and Betty Robinson, and she lives in Texas with her husband. They have a son, Christian, and their two pups, Tink and Maggie. So welcome, Sheila. Thanks. It's so good to be with you. I am loving this book. I'm enjoying it so much. Um, I want to start, though, with the story at the beginning, because I can relate to this so much. I had the sweetest grandpa, who (laughs) was not a very expressive person, but he had his sweet, simple prayers that he would always share. And so I would just love for you to start by sharing about when you were a little girl and the, the story that you shared in the book that really talks about what you thought about prayer, even as a child. My grandfather was such a lovely man, but he was a very quiet, kind of reserved man. And one day there were missionaries who were home on furlough and they were visiting and speaking at our church. And my grandmother and grandfather had invited them to come to lunch after the service. So all the family was there. And my grandfather's usual grace was just for what we were about to receive. May the Lord make us truly thankful. But my grandmother wanted to kind of up the effort that day and she said to him you know don't just pray your usual grace you know expand on it a little bit these are important guests and so when we when everyone sat around the table and my grandmother asked my grandfather to to say the blessing he started the way he always does for what we were about to receive may the lord and my grandmother kicked him like really (laughs) strongly under the table and he panicked and so what he said was for what we're about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful and 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 make me a good boy. I mean, it was just hilarious, and he was so embarrassed. But he had this prayer that he thought, "This is how you're supposed to pray." And being asked to add to it was a little scary for him. And so, when you grew up, did you think that there were like certain prayers you had to pray, or certain ways you had to pray? Yeah, I mean, every night, my sister and I. My sister Frances and I, she was two years older than me. We shared a bedroom uh, until she went off to college. And every night we prayed the same prayer. Um, Jesus, gentle shepherd, hear me. Bless thy little lamb tonight. Through the darkness, be thou near me. Keep me safe to morning light. And to me, that was, that was what you prayed. And so, yeah, I did think there was a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray. And when did that really change for you when you realized, like, okay, maybe it isn't just these these prayers that we say over and over, but was there a time that really was the transforming moment where you thought this little repeated prayer isn't enough? I think it really was um, around the time that I gave my life to Christ because I, my childhood was fairly 
traumatic. My father had a massive brain aneurysm when I was about five. And it really changed his personality a lot. He went from being just a very loving father to a very confused and ultimately violent stranger who was taken out of our home and who actually committed suicide while he was in a psychiatric hospital. And I felt, I felt responsible for that because he tried to harm me before he was taken away that day. And, and I had pulled his cane from him and he fell. And so I really felt as if I brought the whole house down on our family. And it's the night when I went to hear one of Scotland's only gospel groups. And a lot of people gave their lives to Christ that night. Um, but I didn't. I was too shaken by the thought that God might want to know me. So that night I asked my mom if she would pray with me because I wanted to give my life to Jesus, which she did. And she said something that would be good news to most people. But I heard it differently. She said, Sheila, not only is Jesus Christ your Savior um, and your Lord, but you, you also have a heavenly father watching over you. And I remember so clearly thinking, wow, I've got one more chance to get it right. Whatever my dad saw in me that made him hate me, then God's never going to see that. So my prayers changed, but it was more a case of, God, I'll never fail you. I'll never let you down. It was this desperate feeling of somehow that God's love for me was based on my behavior. Yeah, and I think so many times we, I mean, I think each of us get to that point. I was a, a teen mom. I had an abortion when I was 15, which was something I regretted. Um, I had my son when I was 17, and then it was during that pregnancy when I gave my heart and life to God, and I got married and had two more kids, and I was the same place, Sheila. Like, I'm going to do everything right now. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. going to be the perfect Christian. I'm going to write books for you. I'm going to do all these things for you, and it was that same feeling of, okay, I need to get it right. And if I'm not, I'm failing God. Um, so I think all of us can be at that place. So how do you think that it impacts our prayers when we're feeling like we're always trying to please God? I, th I, th I think we miss how much we're loved. You know, it's like we, we think that somehow, and we get very judgmental over ourselves about our prayer life. You know, often we'll think, okay, I'm going to make a, a new commitment this year that I'm going to spend this amount of time in prayer and I'm going to do this and my husband and I even tried to follow the advice of the kind of war room movie and like have a prayer closet. Um, but it was a disaster for us. We both kept falling asleep. <laughs> it's so comfortable. And... I know. And then we just, and then you feel, you know, condemned. What I've come to understand is how much God loves our presence. He's not looking for our perfection. He sees that in Christ. He just longs for our presence. And sometimes now I literally will just sit you know, I'll get a chair and I'll put it in the middle of the room and I'll just sit in the presence of the Lord, not with a list of requests, but just maybe concentrating on one thing about his character. Like today I was thinking about God being a shelter. And I just sat there and thought about the fact that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what you're going through, Trisha, no matter what anyone who's listening is going through, that God promises to be a shelter. And just to sit there and and imagine ourselves being sheltered by the Lord is, it's such a, a beautiful thing for me. Yeah, and I love how it's just, you know, thinking about him. And and we don't need to have those practice prayers or even a list of things. And one of the things which you talk about in the book, um, but it's so amazing because I started reading your book this week. And 
during this week, my children and I were part of community Bible study and we're studying the book of Revelation, which is super hard. My kids that are in the Bible study um, are between the ages of nine and 16. So like some of these concepts are pretty hard, but just this week we were studying chapter five where it talks about that in a golden bowl, our prayers rise up like incense before God. And there's something that you said in there um, that was just beautiful that I underlined and highlighted, um, God could have chosen anything as the fragrance of heaven. He could have chosen church attendance or tithing or good behavior. He chose prayer. And that has just meant so much to me. It was just like perfect timing, your book and that Bible study, to think that even my weak prayers, even when we can only say Jesus, that rises like incense before him. And I just I just got goosebumps right now just thinking about that, how beautiful our prayers are to him and we're trying to like think of the right words and think of the list or all these things and he's just like just whisper my name and it is a beautiful incense to me i I know i love that too christian when i discovered that it's a couple of times in revelation and also in one of the psalms that that the prayers of god's people are the chosen fragrance of heaven and so it doesn't matter if you began a relationship with christ last night or you've walked with god for 50 years it doesn't matter whether you have a heart full of things to say or literally, as you say, the only thing you can call out is the name Jesus. God has chosen that as the fragrance to surround him. And I absolutely, I, I love that. You know, I, I mentioned in the book that there was a hotel. When our son was at Texas A&M, we would stay in this one particular hotel that had chosen a candle, a certain fragrance that was everywhere in the hotel. It was in the, in the lobby, in the elevator, in the bedrooms. And the minute you walk through the lobby, you just have this familiar fragrance. And I just think that's amazing that that's how our prayers are to God. They're this familiar, welcome, chosen fragrance. Yeah, and that is just amazing. And you talk about, too, in the book that when we enter heaven, it's going to it's our prayers are there. We're going to be sent at the scent before God is just going to be familiar to us. And that was just a beautiful picture to me as I read this, because I think so many times we think like, is God even listening yeah. or does God even care? And, um, you know, you talk about that, too, when God, you know, it doesn't turn out the way you think life doesn't turn out. And, you know, we have my husband and I have adopted seven children, seven, and, you know. We have. We've adopted seven. We have three, and then we've adopted seven more. And, you know, here we are saying, God, do anything with our lives. And so he clearly put adopting from foster care on our hearts. But then it is really hard. It is really hard, and there's hard days. Um, You know, one of my daughter has some... um, you know, a lot of a lot of them have depression and suicidal thoughts, but just mm-hmm. it's been a, a, a real struggle with one of our daughters. And I'm thinking, God, when I was praying that you knew how hard this was going to be, like, why did you take me down yeah. this journey? So what do you say for people that I mean, everyone's story is different, but we all have those times when we're feeling like, God, I'm just doing what you asked me to do. How come this isn't turning out like I thought? Aren't you hearing my prayers? You know, I think that's a really powerful question. And and I really empathize with your daughter. That is something that I have lived with most of my life, with suicidal thoughts. In fact, the first time that I actually seriously considered it was when I was 18. And the irony is that I was a student in seminary training to be a missionary. But I remember one night when I just, the darkness just would not lift this overwhelming sadness that was like, it was like winter settles on your soul and there's nothing. And I remember taking a train into London 
um, where my seminary was, and walking around in the rain for a while and thinking, Lord, I don't know what else to do. You know, I believed you wanted me to come here. I've done everything but this overwhelming sadness. And I actually climbed up onto the bridge, looking down over the railway tracks. And I could almost hear this voice just saying, why don't you just jump? You don't have to do this anymore. And the prayer that saved me that night and has continued throughout my life to be salvation was simply praying the name of Jesus. Because the, so often we think of that as a kind of last resort or the smallest prayer. I believe in heaven, it's the largest prayer we could ever pray. Because when we're calling on the name of the Lord, it's like all of heaven gets behind us. And one of the things I learned, even just recently, I had a bit of a health scare when it looked like what had happened to my father might be beginning to happen to me. I, I got home from a trip and I had the worst headache that I've ever had in my life and it just wouldn't lift. And eventually my husband took me to a drop-in clinic and the doctor asked what I now know to be a critical question. Is this the worst headache you've ever had in your life? And I said, yes. And he said, is there any history of aneurysm in your family? And I said, yes, my father, when he was 34. So I was rushed off to the emergency room, immediately put into um, a CT scan. And I remember um, the, the, the technician saying, you know, you need to lay here and don't move. And I'm leaving the room, so you will be, you will be in here alone. But I felt this overwhelming sense of the Lord saying, you are not in here alone. I am right with you. Because what I began to realize, Tricia, is that we are not promised a life that is free of pain. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. And that little Greek word, eteraxin, means like the worst storm that blows up at sea. You know, Jesus is saying, in this world, you, there's going to be some storms that you did not see coming. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And I come to realize I'm not promised a pain-free life, but what I am promised is the presence of Christ in every single moment. And that those that whispered prayer, he gives us all his power and his strength in that moment when we don't have it. Um, it's just amazing. That's so beautiful. It's it, And sometimes, you know, we, we all love... If you've been in the church any length of time, most of us know Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. But you need to read the two verses before that, Romans 8, 26 and 27. What, that, what they say is that when you just don't have the words, when you're in a situation so desperate and you cannot even think how to form a prayer, the Holy Spirit prays for you according to the will of the Father. That to think that, and, and also we, we learned that, that we used to have in the Old Testament a high priest who would have to be replaced every so many years as they passed away. But now we have a high priest in Jesus who lives forever to make intercession for us. So even just resting in the knowledge that Christ himself is calling out your name before the throne of grace that he is there and I've done that before when 
you know, just the burdens of, of my children and they've been through such hard things and come from such hard places. And I know that, that the depression and the, the suicidal thoughts are, it's not something they have chosen. You know, it's not like they, no. they want to have these things and just praying for them. Sometimes I won't know how to pray and I'll say, Lord, just, you know, show me how to pray for them or just, I know you're praying with me and I'm just going to sit here and cry. And I know that you are, you know, before the father's throne praying for me as I parent and praying for these kids. But, you know, even in moments when we don't know how to pray just recently, I was having a really hard time, just burdened for my kids. And um, I just asked for, you know, someone to pray for me. Um, I said, like, Lord, you know, all the people out there, can you just send someone to pray for me? And um, I got a little notification on my phone that was, you know, right, I was curled up in bed, my notification went off, and a friend from Nashville, I'm in Arkansas, just had sent a prayer on this prayer loop that I was part of. I'd sent an email like two days prior. She just happened to be answering at that moment. And I ended up texting her and saying, I just asked for God to pray for someone. She goes, yeah, I just feel like I needed to pray and I need to let you know. And she ended up just texting me some worship songs over. And it was just in that moment, God just heard my little prayer like, I I can't carry this burden alone for these kids. Send someone to pray with me. And, you know, he he put it on her heart. And, you know, we just just even those little things, just let me know, God, that, that you are listening or that you care or, you know, and sometimes we don't, we won't get that immediate notification, but knowing that Jesus is before the throne for us is so powerful. One of the things that I set up about, gosh, probably about almost a year ago now, is that I have um, five other girls and we're all in different parts of the country. One's in California, one's in Florida. Um, I'm here in Dallas, Texas. And we used to do it on a Monday. Now we've switched it to Wednesday. But just for 30 minutes, we jump on a, a Zoom call together, like a video call. And I mean, it's in the morning. So I mean, none of us look like we've got our act together at all. But we just pray for one another. And there's something, and it's just been amazing to me because like two or three weeks back, I was just having a, you know, I have a diagnosis of severe clinical depression. And I was just having a hard day, so much so that I didn't even want to call in because I just... There's something about when I feel like that, I want to withdraw and just pull the covers over my head. But I know that that's the worst thing I can do. So I just, you know, I signed into our little video call. And one of the girls, you know, we can see each other's faces. And one of the girls was like, how are you doing? And I said, not good. I didn't even want to call. And they immediately stopped everything. And they just prayed over me, read scripture over me. I think that's why we need community. We're not designed to do this life by ourselves. It's too hard. And to have someone that can pray the words that can't even come to our lips, like in those moments, we don't even know, but to have those friends around us. And I, I agree. I have a couple different groups of writer friends that, you know, we've met at conferences. One of us, one of our groups, we get together every summer um, and it, we call it pray, plot and play groups. <laughs> but we, <laughs> I love we pray that. together. We plot our books and, you know, we just have fun. But throughout the year, we continue to pray for each other. And you know, we need that. We need those people that will check in and say, "How are you doing? Yeah. You haven't been, you haven't been connecting with us." Or um, because we do, we want to withdraw. And I've seen it with my kids. I know if they're in their room too long, if they're too quiet, that that's when I need to go check them <laughs> because something is going on in their hearts and their minds. And um, you know, as a mom, it's so hard to see with my kids, but continually yeah. to to pray for them and to bring them before God. One of the things that our son is now 23 and he's graduated from A&M and he's now at Houston Baptist in grad school. But when he was younger, one of the things I did with him and I still do it with my husband is when I'm folding the laundry, I'm folding prayers in with it 
every single piece of my son's, you know, clothes. I would fold them. I would be folding in the grace of God, the mercy of God, hope, peace. And I still do it for my husband because at times our children don't always tell us what's going on. But, I, but I've learned that our kids are on God's schedule more than they're on our schedule. You know, we have the schedule. This is how things should be at a certain time in their life. And, but I take great comfort in knowing that God has this, that, that God knows their pain, that God hears the things that they can't even vocalize to themselves, and that, that, he, that heaven always intercedes for those who struggle. I love that. Yeah, I was just praying for um, one of my daughters, and I felt God speaking to my heart. Answered prayers aren't quick fixes. And I think as parents, we want that. We want the quick fix. But I know all the years I struggled and how God was there and patient and, um, you know, has just transformed my life. But it's not often quick fixes. And I think sometimes as parents, we want that um, without thinking like, okay, this might be a long journey of praying for our kids. You know, it's it's funny. I remember um, when I was growing up, and I grew up in a small Baptist church on the west coast of Scotland, a little fishing town. And every Tuesday night, I would go to the prayer meeting with my mom, and it would maybe be 20 people uh, at most. But there was this one gentleman from way up north in the Highlands whose name was Angus. And every single Tuesday night, he would pray for his wife, often with tears pouring down his face. And my mom told me later that he'd been praying for his wife for 40 years. And I, I remember one point when Angus, he had a little small plane, and he took my brother and I on a trip up the west coast of Scotland to the little island where he was born in the little church where he grew up. And we, I remember sitting in that little church and looking at the stained glass window and asking Angus if I could ask him a question. And he said, yes, of course you can, last. And I said, Angus, do you ever wonder why God hasn't answered your prayers yet for your wife? And he paused for a moment, and then he said, you know, he's, he's never failed me yet, last. I don't think he'll start now. And then I went off to seminary in London, and when I was home on, on a break, I learned that Angus had passed, so I went with my mum to his funeral. And it was at his memorial service that his wife gave her life to Christ. And he wouldn't know that for two years until she died and walked into the presence of the Lord. But it made me realize a lifetime is not too long to pray, that every single one of those prayers had ascended into heaven and at the right moment, the Holy Spirit spoke her name, and she came home. Okay, I have tears in my eyes now. That is such a beautiful story, and it makes me think of um, my own grandpa. We started talking about grandpas in the book, but, you know, my grandpa um, was that quiet person. He didn't become a Christian until much, much later. And, you know, he had such a simple, quiet faith that, um, you know, you're thinking, like, come on, grandpa, you know, God has transformed your life, but it was just this the simple faith, but um, his last day that he was conscious, he saw into heaven, and he wow. was just, he, he smelled the aroma of heaven, he's like, do you smell that, do you see those oh flowers, do you see that lion, and then he lifted his hands and just started worshiping God, wow. and I know my grandma had prayed for him for years to become a Christian, and you know, he would go to church, and you're thinking, okay, did it really take, or is he just going along yeah. with emotions, but that moment on his last day, when he saw into heaven and he saw a, a lion and then he said later at weeping said he saw Jesus stretching out his arms. You're like, that is what it's all about. It's that moment when we stand before Christ and you know, some people we might pray for them and it might take a week. It might take a year. It might take 20 years 
or a lifetime, but it really is that moment where they study before God that makes all the difference. What a gift to your family and to your grandmother that they got to see that. Wow. Hands, this very quiet man, lifting his hands and worshiping, praising God. I mean, he was on hospice. He was been so wow. for months and this renewed energy as he was praising God. And it just encourages me. And I think you've encouraged me today. Like a lifetime is not too long to pray. Um, yeah. With all the situations in our lives, a lifetime is not too long to pray and just to keep going. And that's what I love about um, the book, Praying Women. It, it tells us how to pray to pray with victory, to, you know, not give up, persistent prayer. I mean, all the things. And, um, you know, when prayer feels impossible, it's just, we just need this encouragement. This is a book I could see, you know, after I finished just starting all over again, because we always need the reminder to keep praying. You know, Trisha, just, I spent a couple of years just researching and studying scripture and wanting to know what God's word said about prayer. And, and also going back into kind of more early church history. And one of the things that I discovered that I should have known, I mean, I've been a Christian for a long time, was that um, the Psalms really are God's prayer book. It was like God gave the Psalms to the people of God so they could pray them back to God. And I realized that, that the Psalms were Jesus' prayer weapon of choice. He knew the Psalms. He prayed the Psalms. And I, one of the things I read that I thought was just um, really special was I think his name was Athanasius, one of the early church fathers. He says that in, in the Psalms, you learn about yourself, all the movements of your soul. That and Augustine said, if the Psalms pray, you pray. If the Psalms lament, you lament. If they hope, you hope. It gives words for all of our human experience to be able to pray them back to God. Yeah, and that's encouraged me so much. You know, there's times... David will say, Lord, you've abandoned me. I mean, he's yeah. just pouring it out. But at the end, he goes, but yet will I trust you? And it's like, okay, we can, like, pour it all out. And God is okay with that. That so You mentioned that prayer, Christ, Christ's weapon of choice. That was the page I had it open to because that is so meaningful. Like, that's what Christ did. He went up into the hills and prayed. At daybreak, the next morning, he prayed. He went to a mountain to pray over and over. And that is an example to us, to you know, to, to keep praying, and that is what he used as a weapon, and um, that was really meaningful. I have all these highlighted parts, but that part is, is really meant a lot. It's like, okay, yeah, this is how Christ chose. And you know, one of the things that I think is really interesting is that right in the middle of the Psalms, I think, I believe it's Psalm 88, there's a Psalm that has no resolve. You know, most Psalms, as you say, you know, David might be pouring out his heart, but then he ends up with, but I will bless the Lord. I will live to see the goodness of the Lord. But intentionally in the word of God is a psalm where there is no happy ending. There is no resolve. And I think that's God's way of acknowledging there are seasons, there are times, there are places where it's, it's too hard to bear. And I think that that could have been cut out. But the fact that God made sure that was in there to let us know it's okay to bring all of who you are to God. In the worst moments of your life, you don't have to have a happy phrase at the end. You get to, to come as you are, to pour your heart out, and, and to leave it with the Lord. He is more than able to contain everything you're feeling. You talk about in that waiting time, and we have those questions that you really have to come down. Do I believe in God's word? Um, do I believe God is in control? Do I trust? And then it's just the little 
the little kernel of faith. He just needs that little kernel of faith. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. There's been so many good things um, in this book. What would you say to someone who right now who says, you know, I have been praying, but God seems silent. What encouragement as we end this could you um, leave them with? I think that is one of the most difficult places to, to be when it feels as if heaven is silent, that you've been praying and nothing is nothing is happening. But I, I, I think in those moments, sometimes God is almost more doing something in us than answering our prayer. I, I found that, in that on that day when I was in that CAT scan thing waiting for the results, thinking, am I going to end up like my dad? Is this going to be something that will rip me away from, from my dad? I discovered, I mean, from my family, that what I was really longing for wasn't so much an answer to prayer. It was for the presence of God. Because an answer might give us direction, but the presence of God promises peace even when there is no answer. Um, I, I think that's through all the years of my life and the different things that have been wonderful and the things that have been struggles, I've, I've just learned that what I'm really longing for in my heart is the presence of Christ. And, and I was even encouraged by re- reading about, through the book of Daniel, you know, when he was 15 years old and dragged off to Babylon and eventually given a place of honor in the palace. But but even though the king loved him, the other officials did not. And eventually, Daniel was thrown, as you know, into this pit of lions. But, but immediately, the Lord sent an angel to close their mouths. So in that situation, Daniel got a quick answer. But then you go further down through the book, and he's now 85 years old. And 500,000 Jews have gone back to begin rebuilding the city and the temple. But the work has been stopped. There's so many things going wrong. You read about that in Ezra chapter 4. And Daniel begins to pray. And that's where we get the phrase that Daniel fast from. For 21 days, he begged God for an answer and heard nothing. And then one day, he's standing by the Tigris River, and this spectacular angel appears. I mean, the sight must have been so overwhelming because Daniel fainted. Now, this is someone who's been in a den with lions and didn't faint. But the angel said, the minute you prayed, your prayers were heard. But he reminded Daniel that there's battles going on in the heavenlies and that that, that an evil spirit was holding things up, that God sent Gabriel, the archangel, and so that this other angel could come and say to Daniel, listen, even when it seems as if your prayers are not being heard, they are heard the minute you pray them. Sometimes there's just a bit of a battle going on, but God will get through to you. And when God gets through, it'll be for his ultimate glory. It reminds me of Zechariah. You know, he's going before in the Holy of Holies, and the angel appears by the incense in the golden bowl, by, you know, by the incense going up. Um, and he, the angel says, God has heard your prayer. It, it's from the, and I, God just spoke to me from the very first time Zechariah and Elizabeth prayed, God heard it. Yeah. I'm sure if they prayed hundreds of times or thousands of times, but he said, I heard your prayer, not all your prayers, but your prayer. And that has just ministered. And just like you said with Daniel, from the, from the second you prayed, you know, God sent me. And that is just such an encouragement to me when we don't have the answer that we want, that God hears and he cares and he, his presence, you know, he wants us to just commune with him and, 
And I love that so much. And I think I have been encouraged by this book. Um, I know so many people will be encouraged too, just to renew their prayer life, um, not to get the answers, but to just draw close to God and know that they are before him in his throne. That was my, honestly, somebody asked me the other day, when people finish reading your book, what do you pray for? And my answer is simple. I pray that they're more in love with Jesus and they know that how much heaven is in love with them, that you're not alone. God is listening. Oh, that's so beautiful. Well, um, Sheila, can you just let us know where people can connect with you and um, find this book? Sure. Um, you can actually find the book on Amazon and or any other book place. And then if you go to SheilaWalsh.com, at the top of my webpage, you can hit to get all sorts of free resources. Um, there's an eight-week Bible study that you get free. You get me reading the audiobook free and um, two or three other things. So on Facebook, I'm just Sheila Walsh Connects. Instagram, Sheila Walsh One. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I know I'm encouraged, and I know my listeners are going to be encouraged too. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Tricia. I am so thankful for Sheila. I am so thankful that she shares the dark places she's been so she can also share the hope that she finds in God. So much of what she said just really touched my heart today. I love how she shared the story of Angus. Um, and just that message, it really brought tears to my eyes. Um, Angus answering Sheila's question about, do you think God will answer your prayer? And him saying, he has not failed me yet, lass. And I don't reckon he'll start now. And, you know, that is what we can cling to, no matter what is going on in our lives, to know that God will not fail us. Even though our, answer, our prayers aren't answered in the way that we hoped, in the way that we think would be the best way, that God will not fail us. And that just means so much. Now, today's Walk It Out scripture is Psalm 141.2. Accept my prayer as an incense offered to you, my upraised hands as an evening offering. And I love that picture of our prayers being held in that golden bowl by the angels in Christ's, uh, before Christ's throne and being lifted up, raised up as an offering to him as incense, as a fragrance. And as I was thinking about this this week, even before I knew I was going to read about this in Sheila's book, even before I talked to Sheila, I know that some of my prayers are prayers of praise and thanksgiving, but some prayers are, God, I don't know what you're doing here, or God, can't you help me out? Just our honesty with him, our, the fact that we are turning to him, the fact that we are seeking him, that we desire his presence, that is a gift to God. That is a beautiful aroma to God. So, friend, even if you are worried that when you pray, you're just going to grumble or say, God, I don't understand why I'm going through this. Just the fact that you are praying, that you are turning to him, that you are whispering the name of Jesus makes all the difference. That your prayers are an incense before God. And um, that's just my encouragement to you. So let me just pray for you now. Dear God, I just thank you for the listeners. I know that each person out there has a struggle, whether it's a small struggle or a large struggle. We all carry burdens around in our hearts that are unseen. And I pray that today that they will just take a moment, each person will just take a moment and pause. Like Sheila said, sit in the middle of a room, whether you're thinking of God as a shelter, a protector, 
our deliverer, the Prince of Peace, that we will just turn our attention to you, Lord. I know that sometimes it is hard to pray, and sometimes we don't know the right words, and that's okay. I just pray that each person will just take the time to turn to you. I pray for Sheila. I pray for her ministry. I pray this book will just get into the hands of so many people, and that you will do with it exceedingly more than Sheila even asked for or imagined, that I pray that you will use this to ignite a fire and a passion for prayer, and that the good news that we can turn to you, Lord, with anything, with our tears, with our complaints, with our desires, that we can turn to you, that this message will spread, Lord. I thank you so much that um, Sheila reminds us that a lifetime is not too long to pray. And that when we trust you as praying women and men, that even if there's silence and that we don't know how it's going to turn out, that we can trust. That's mostly what I pray for, Lord, that we will trust, that we will turn to you. Thank you for each listener today. Thank you for um, the chance to just talk with Sheila. And thank you for the transformation that you are doing in our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, friends, so much. All the notes um, and the links to connecting with Sheila are in the show notes. Um, I love, you can go to her website, which is SheilaWalsh.com. Also, SheLovesOutLoud.org. And like Sheila said, um, if you go to her website, you can find all those free bonuses that she talked about, which is just a great way to um, just continue getting this message and blessing other people with it. So connect with her. Also, be sure to share this podcast with others. Do you know someone who is really struggling? I bet you do. Do you know someone who feels discouraged? I bet you do. Um, Just forward this, the link to the podcast, or share it from your favorite podcast app, and let someone else know that they can turn to God in prayer and that you will be praying with them. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to Walk It Out. Remember, your prayers rise before God like incense. Take joy in that today, and have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.